Hey y'all, it's Bree and Lainey. Welcome. It is still the crazy cuckoo banana time of what's going on. I don't know. We've got schools that have been in session for a couple weeks. We've got my kids' school doesn't start for another month. So I don't know what's happening with you, Bree. What's happening in your neck of the woods? We are eight days out from the start of school. <clears throat> um, we pushed back uh, the start date a week, and so uh, my kids have the countdown going on. Um, that said, it is a different start to school this year. We, we typically have already had teacher lists posted. We would know who we have in school. We would have already scheduled meet the teacher. We would have already done all those things, and that's not, um, that's not happening this year. Um, it's going to be much farther into it. I know we're, we're going to go and drop off school supplies on Monday. Um, and, you know, lots of lots of communication came out about how typically in, in the school districts around here, um, we do a lot of community um, school supplies. And so like, we'll, we'll, you know, everybody will purchase the the pencils and they all go into a big box. And so then that way they, they kind of and um, that is not happening this year. And so, you know, it's been interesting um, from all of that. But yeah, lots of things still kind of up in the air. Um, decisions had to have been made as to if you chose. Um, we had the option to choose face-to-face -face or virtual. And so decisions had to be made by this past weekend. And so lots of lots of watch and see and wait and um flexibility is our key word this year. So yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, I'll just jump right into sweet and sour if you don't mind. But um, so that's a tough decision, right? You have to choose, am I going, and this is a staffing thing for those who are wondering why are schools forcing families to choose whether they're going to go commit to online or commit to face-to-face -face, and it's a staffing issue because staff, some staff members will take over for the online portion and different ones will do face-to-face. -face. So I get that. That's a logistical challenge. But it's a tough decision. And if I, I, I tend to always start with my sour just so I can end on a positive. But like right now my sour is there's a lot of judgment being passed around and it's really there's it's projecting of emotions. It's how, how could you do this or why are you thinking this? And it's we all have such, you know, Katie was on last time, who was amazing, by the way. If you guys didn't hear Dr. Katie Novak, it was amazing. Got two, two podcast episodes out of her. Um, but, you know, her talking about the barriers, the variables, and there's, there's so many different things happening. And families are having to make the right choice for them. And, you know, we're here in, my family's here in California, my, my immediate family. We don't have my in-laws around. My parents aren't around. So what I choose based on that could be different from someone who has an elderly relative that lives with their family. You know, these are all, we have to do what's right for us. So have you kind of seen that happening? Absolutely. And I think it is. It's that there's, there's so much conversation that's happening around this choice situation. And, um, and like you said, the, the judgment that comes along with this, are you making the right choice? Are you making the wrong choice? Are you considering all the options that are there? Are you being selfish? Are you, you know, being, um, ignorant? I mean, all the different, different descriptions that people are throwing around left and right. <clears throat> and so much of it is built around that uncertainty because we still don't even really know what it's going to look like and what the actual situations are going to come from it. And um, 
you know, for, for my kids, um, we sat down, had a big conversation about it um, mid-summer, about middle of July, whenever the first um, call was for us to decide, you know, to, to kind of which way were we leaning. And, um, and at that point, my kids really said that they wanted to pursue, you know, returning to a face-to-face situation. And so now we are state-mandated masks where, you know, in different kind of things have evolved um, or, or devolved, I guess, as, as the summer has kind of come to it. And um, I sat down with my kids again over the weekend and said, all right, we, this is our, we have to make our final, final decision. How are we thinking? What do you guys want to do with this? You know, what does this look like? Let's talk through some of the ideas. And, um, and both of them decided to stay with the face-to-face. Um, but even then, you know, there's still a lot of variable in there. And, um, and I made sure to let them know that um, our district has, has opted for, um, you, can, you can change if, um, if, you, if you so choose, you can move from virtual to face-to-face or face-to-face to virtual um, at the grading mark. And so six okay. weeks in, we do that six weeks sense. grades. And so I told him, I was like, you know, th- there's nothing set in stone. We'll, we'll try it out. And if it is something where we wanna make a change, we can do that. And if not, we're good, but a lot of, you know, and, and, and again, you're looking at some friends, some respected people that you, you know, look to in, in your area, um, and see the differences that, that are, are being made. I mean, I have lots of friends in our area that are super, super committed to our public school, um, that are, you know, are here, our local school and are opting because of, needs for their own family to to look into um and now they're moving to a private school or they're moving to a a full online homeschool curriculum um that is separate from from what the school district is offering and all of that has to be okay you know it has to be we we can't judge where where people are at on that yeah and i mean i still have a month left i'm gonna be honest we have not decided and we have to think really carefully about what is going to be best for our family. So we're, we're still thinking, uh, still, still doing some wondering. And of course, a lot can change between now and then. And I think that that's where all of us are. You know, I think that a lot of us are in that, that setting where we, um, you know, some schools started back two, three weeks ago. And all of us in the country are watching, you know, see what's going to happen. How, how is everybody going to respond to this? Are things working as expected? Are they not? What, where are the hiccups? And, um, you know, I've said that in, in many other ways, it's always, there's this, there are some benefits to not being the first. So then that way you can kind of see and, and make some, some decisions. So, um, I'll be just, I'm just like everybody else watching what's happening across the country. And, um, and then we'll see what happens in our neck of the woods. Yeah. So let's talk about our suite. I will, I will say, and you even mentioned it, you talked about um, like having a sit down conversation with your kids and, and we did the same thing. And I think that that's um, kind of one of those silver linings is like to refocus on our family. And, you know, if we, if we do not get the opportunity to be face to face, like how can we maybe travel. Like, I'll be honest, we're going on a road trip. This is where I feel like the judgment might come in for some people listening. Like, how could you go on a road trip? We're going to be super careful. Um, But my kids, they're not going to be in a classroom for a while. So I am going to get in a car. Um, We're going to safely make our way to family that we would not normally get to see if we had to, you know, because we're not going to get on a plane right now. And so um, 
like this refocusing and we've talked about this before, right? Like getting, getting to be able to, to really hone in on what's most important. And so that's kind of been my suite is to really, um, I feel like my family's actually closer now than, than maybe ever. Like it's kind of crazy, but I do feel that. I think that's, that's incredible. And that's what we're, we're hoping for, right? Is that we have that chance to, to really um, think through what is important and, and make time for those things. And, and there's nothing like a little forced lockdown to, uh, to family closer. Right. So, so I think that's <laughs> one, a couple of things are going to happen. You're either going to come out with less people or, or you're going to be a tighter group one, um, one or the other uh, as, as it goes through it. So um, I love that. And I love that mindset of, uh, you know, being able to, to learn more about each other and um, kind of, you know, we've said it before in earlier episodes, um, our commutes are certainly far less than they have been. And so, you know, the, getting some of those moments and getting some of those times back is is always good. And, and, you know, your kids are at that age, my kids are at that age where they are changing a lot and they're fun to be around. And um, and, and so it's really great to, to learn their personalities and, and what is important to them and what's changed and, and all of those pieces. So I'll move into my sour. Um, so my sour is that my, um, we got, so my daughter is, you guys have heard me talk about her. She is definitely my mini me. I am a self-professed complete and total office supply addict. I love school supplies. I love organizing things, washi tape, notebooks, all all the, every kind of marker. I, I, I I'm. I'm okay. I'm in, I'm, I embrace my nerdiness and my total stationary geek, geekiness. I, I'm okay with that. But I have passed that along to her as well. And so she has been planning school supply shopping since last March, really and truly since like oh. we've started being at home. She started seeing, you know, was online more and was picking out things and, and had started her list at that point. Um, when the school supply list came out, we went, spent a full day. The big thing is, is that she is changing into a, to a new campus this year. And this is her first year to have lockers. And she has been so incredibly excited about this to be able to have her own locker. That's big kid stuff. That's awesome. Stuff. She is so excited. And what comes along with a locker are locker decorations, of course. And so she had, I told her, okay, fine. We can get a few things. I did say no to the mirror ball, little disco ball. Um, she wanted one of those. I did where no you draw the line. That's just too much. <laughs> there was like a tween that was in the store and she was like, I mean, I had a mirror ball. I was like, mm, nah. yeah, that way. But, um, I did give in, I let her have the rug and the little stand and some magnets and some mirrors and, you know, some little, little cubbies so she could have her sanitizer and all those different pieces. Um, and this last week I told you, we got a, we got, we got notice, um, got an email from her principal and the fourth bullet point said no locker decorations. Oh. They still get to have their locker, but no locker decorations And y'all the tragedy and the trauma came from this because that was really one of those things she was really excited about. So I know when you described it, I was ready to move into this locker. This sounded like the world's best locker. I was all in. I'm pretty sure it was going to be better outfitted than my first apartment. Like it was, it was definitely, definitely, you know, 
style standards were high, but, um, you know, it's, it sounds silly and it is one of those like, okay, really come on Hodges. That's your, that's your sour is that your daughter doesn't get to have locker decorations, but it was that reminder that so many of us were secretly hoping that we were going to have that return to normal for the first, you know, and it was that. And so it's just another reminder that it's, different and this is going to be a different situation and those big um you know those big milestones that that we're looking for are not necessarily happening you know i have a lot of of um friends who have who had seniors last year and their graduation was very different i have a lot of friends who have seniors this year and they're starting off on that foot of like what is this going to look like we already saw where this went last year how's this going to come in and so it just again was that kind of like heaviness of um of, of studying, you know, helping, helping kids embrace the, the challenge that comes with uncertainty and, and knowing that things that we've always been looking forward to might not get to happen right whenever they do. And what I have shared with her is that she still has nine years after all of this to, um, to decorate her locker and, uh, and we'll, we'll figure out a way and, and, um, but, but, you know, there, there are other things to look forward to as, as she goes into it. So that was, that was definitely my sour this week. Um, and just kind of feeling those things out. The suite has been in hearing, um, both of my kids talk about how excited they are to, um, to just return to learning and just yeah. to, to kind of come in there and, um, you know, whether it's, it's see their friends or, you know, meet their new teachers or have new experiences. Um, all of those pieces. I think this has definitely been a situation where absence makes the heart grow fonder. Um, and they're ready to, to kind of jump into it. You know, this time last year, uh, you know, eight days before school starting, it was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe it's time to go back to school. And instead they, they both, which again, no surprise for my little one, but my older one is, less um less motivated by school and so he but even he is ready to to jump in and and get things going so uh, i'm excited about that part and and to watch them take on some new challenges and, and embrace that so and and a new appreciation for for school is a is a huge win that's a, that's very sweet i love that exactly my, my my teacher heart is happy my teacher my mama teacher heart is happy so yes yes good stuff so that said, talking about return to classroom and return to uh, whether whether you're starting school or whether you're just returning into professional learning and, and getting ready to to look at what's happening in the classroom, um, all the, the the thoughts and the fears and the what am I going to do and how am I going to make this happen? What is that going to look like? Start to come in when we look at lesson planning and lesson design. And Lainey, you have... Um, some really great ideas around this, and, and I want to um, pass the torch over to you to kind of talk through this. Well, you know, you shared an alliteration with um, Answers with A's, so I felt like I needed to share an alliteration. No, that's a joke. That's a joke. This actually came out of um, reflecting on what, what Katie shared, uh, what Dr. Novak shared last uh, podcast episodes, the last two. Um, I really started to think about kind of how I have been designing lately. And I think I've shared with you before, Bree, that I've always, like at least for the last number of years, been a, a five E's advocate because I love inquiry design. And so for those of you that are not familiar with five E's, it's engage, explore, explain, 
elaborate and evaluate. And I know you're listening. So let me kind of break that down a little bit and then I'll tell you how I, I've kind of adjusted it. And then Bree, I want to get your take on this. Um, so when I went through my teacher prep program, it was, um, it was basically, I was taught Madeline Hunter, no disrespect. Um, it was, you'd maybe do an anticipatory set and then you shoot straight into direct instruction, right? Um, some people paraphrase this, I do, we do, you do. And so, um, and, and, and that just, I, I realized over time that was not how I was designing lessons, is that I was doing more inquiry-based, where I was trying to give opportunities for kids to explore before I would launch into any direct instruction. And so um, when I came across the 5Es a number of years ago, it was like, yay, this is like, I've been doing this. I've been pushing the direct instruction back a bit to give kids an opportunity to um for inquiry to construct their own meaning. And so it was really uh, just something that made so much sense to me. And I've been using it for a long time. And for any of you who use HyperDocs, like if I ever share HyperDocs, which I do, it's because I love that it's inquiry designed. And if you ever wanna play like, is this actually a HyperDoc? Look at that design. It's, it's a digital worksheet if it's just something that has links, but if it's actually designed for inquiry, now we're, we're talking about, and we could get into a whole criteria of like what makes a good hyperdoc, but we won't go there. Um, but so, so that's to me what is key. It's inquiry based. And so, Brie, I, was, I wanted to share with you, and we talked about this briefly um, earlier in the week, and we wanted to talk about it here. So I have adapted that, and I'm still hitting all five E's, but I'm doing it in discover, discuss, and demonstrate. And so, Jen, I love it. <laughs> the, the three Ds. Um, and this is something that we did back in my instructional design days when we were doing, um, I was the coordinator for a program called Leading Edge Certification, and I got to work with these experts. Our first certification was on online teaching, and I got to work with these experts, and we just came up with this formula of we give learners content to explore or discover, and then we give them an opportunity to discuss, and then we have them demonstrate their understanding. And it's just been something that's been super easy for me to articulate, both to learners, um, young and older, or what do you say, small and tall, which is small and tall, <laughs> so respectful. Um, so I kind of want to like go through this with you and have you help me think about like what what does this look like? So the first one being discover. And what does this look like when we're talking, like if we're applying universal design for learning, like what does discover look like? And so I wanna know your thoughts. What are you thinking that discover would look like in our, again, crazy cuckoo banana time? Well, I, and I love that you brought in UDL and, and universal design because one of the, the big elements for me that, um, that, that, that Katie talks about that, that has always been really prevalent in my work in, in UDL is, you look for that barrier to learning, right? So what is the thing that typically um, your your students, your audience are having trouble connecting with, whether it's content, whether it's engagement, whether it's representations, you know, what are those pieces? And then you try to find the multiple means that would hit that content and, and really kind of bring into that. And so that's where like discover means that to me, where it's like, okay, what are those things that typically people don't get past? Like it's, it's, you know, like it's not some witty, funny, you know, intro. It is the, it, it's a way for them to really grab them. It's that hook that, that comes in, that brings them in there. It's not just a funny cartoon or, um, you know, a cute song or any of that kind of stuff. It's really that opportunity for them to discover it into, um, 
to, to come to their own conclusions in it and not just that prescriptive here, read this story. And now this is what you should have learned from that. Um, because, you know, I, I, we've talked about this before, um, experimentation, discovery, things like that are, are best done when, um, and, and you retain the, the meat of the information when it's something that you are truly almost surprised by that you're like, Oh my gosh, I did not expect this to happen. Like I thought this is what was going to go in. And then this came out. And, and so, you know, we've got to allow them to try to figure out because the heart of every single, everything that we're after as human beings is to answer the question why, and we want to know why it works that way and why it is that way. And so that to me is the heart of, of discover. Yeah. I love that. And I think, uh, you you did a great job connecting it to um, UDL, and I just I want to put in a note about accessibility because um, sometimes you will hear people talk about accessibility with UDL, and accessibility for those who are not familiar with the term in the context of online learning is how we interact with content uh, content and is it is it available to all learners? So if you have someone who's visually impaired or hearing impaired, are they able to access the content? Is there a captions? Is there subtitles? Does it have a transcript? If it's an image and they're visually impaired, is there alt text, which is just a little bit of wording that you put so a screen reader will tell them what they're unable to see in the image. And so like to me, that's the, the floor. <laughs> that's, that's the minimum. And I'm a little, um, I'll just, I, I, I want to be as positive as possible, but I am going to say that without some training in that, without at least some awareness and some discussion about that, that's not always happening. So when you're thinking about the discover part and you're putting that content out there digitally, really try and be aware of that. If it's a video, can it have the closed captioning? Um, if you're putting an image, is it gonna be read by a screen reader because it's got alt text? So those, that, that's my little like, I'm gonna get off my soapbox on accessibility, but I just had to throw that out there. I don't know, what do you, what do you think? I'm a big believer because also it, it truly visual and and sensory design is so 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 important when we talk about online design and when we talk about online instruction um so not only is it appealing to us and it's something that you know is visually um calming and attractive because we've all been on to the to the sites right where you almost need to put sunglasses on because the colors are so garish and all the sparkles are being used and we've all been there right we've seen those powerpoints where every single um every single animation and every single flickery text and, and all of that stuff can can come in and you can't you can't discern the information and um even if you're not diagnosed as having some some um some, some sensitivities in those areas, it's still overwhelming to us. So I think that that's super important to keep in mind. Um, but it's also some of those simple things, like how many of us go back to the, you know, to photographing or to, to photocopying um, tests and things like that. Is that image clear? Can you actually see it? Or is it a really bad scan that now just looks like an ink blob and now you're asking kids to, to come in and, um, and, you know, pick apart those different pieces that are on there. So keeping all of those things in mind, but bringing in that UDL perspective of if, if you have the opportunity to go ahead and add in alt text and add in captions and, and do all of those pieces, you are opening the door for more people to be able to engage in that content. And, um, you know, the, I think now that the number is up to like 
75 plus percent of videos are watched with the sound off. And that's even if you're not needing the captions, you want the captions because um, you've got other things that are happening. And so accessibility truly becomes that universal design for all um, in that. So, so thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, so I want us to think about that lens throughout um, anything we're designing for our learners. So I'll go through the next two Ds probably a little bit quicker, but because I, I think that discover is really, really important. That discuss, like I call it the discuss, you could call it the explain, but I really want to focus on peer-to-peer -peer learning there. I, that's an opportunity when, when it comes time to do the explaining, it doesn't necessarily have to just be me doing the explaining. It could be, and, and direct instruction is still very important. But I'm, before I jump right into something, I'm also trying to think about what are the peer-to-peer -peer opportunities that I can do. And I think that's really important. And then I'm just going to actually jump to demonstrate, and then let's talk about what you, guys, what you think about these three. So the demonstrate is, you know, how do they show that they know? And this is, again, tying back to UDL, like firm goals, flexible means, I don't need every single child to demonstrate in the exact same way as long as they are demonstrating that they have reached that learning goal. And so I really want to focus on um, how do I go through this inquiry-based design where I am designing with empathy, trying to remove as many barriers as possible, and really just make this as engaging for everyone, all of my learners. So that's kind of, those are the three Ds, and I'll just say it all again one more time. So it's discover, uh, discuss, and demonstrate. I, I love this. I love this. And I think um, you have done such an incredible job of explaining it to me. And I, I, I want to circle really quickly. I, I don't really have a whole lot to add because I think you just totally nailed it and knocked this out of the park. But um, on discuss, I, I do, I appreciate you so much saying around peer-to-peer -peer involvement because that truly is where the magic of learning comes in is it's not you know I, I say all the time education learning is a contact sport like it is a it is it's meant to be played together it's meant to be experienced together it's very nature and so um when we put it into a situation where it's one person telling individuals for them to then demonstrate individually is you are missing out on so much. And so um, I, I love to say that when you allow for collaborative learning, that's where the magic happens, right? Like that's where you get the superpowers of people's perspectives and of their ideas and they can really um, flourish in that situation. So I, I love you, you bringing that to attention. We've talked about synchronous versus asynchronous. Think so intentionally about that. What would be best when we're live together? It doesn't matter if it's in a classroom or online in a live uh, session. What would be best asynchronous where we allow kids to truly think um, with really deep thoughts and also, you know, we're not always just hearing from the kids who raise their hand. Like every kid gets a voice. And so I'm trying to be really thoughtful when I think through this inquiry base, the 3Ds. How does everyone get a voice? How do we take the best of the synchronous and the best of the asynchronous? And, and to piggyback on that, asynchronous doesn't mean that that's void of collaboration, right? Asynchronous just means that it is not everyone in that same simultaneous situation. And so if you really think about it, the majority of our group um, projects that we've always assigned are asynchronous. They are meant where groups are connecting and they are meeting outside of the class period. They're, you know, 
meeting on their own schedules, doing all those kind of things. It, it really truly becomes such a vital component of, of learning. It is that opportunity to interact and, and to do all those things. So I, I just, I love that you, um, that, that that is such an important part in there for you. Uh, the other piece of it is demonstration. And I, I can't say that enough. Um, love multiple means. Um, that is a piece that I, I just, I hold on to in so many different ways. I, I know I've said this before, like we all have different preferences in outfits and different preferences in clothing items. Um, but we're all dressed and it's okay. And, um, you know, and so, so allowing different manners of expression, different manners of demonstration are going to help us better understand what that kid absolutely knows. And, you know, again, being very purposeful in designing what those options are, what those outlets are in order for them to, um, to really showcase their personality, showcase their interest and, and keep themselves engaged is, is such an, an incredible opportunity for, for kids to really bring their learning full circle in that and, and, and show that cycle um, to, to their peers and to their, um, and to their teacher. So, yeah. I feel like we could talk about this one for a long time, but we promise to be brief. So uh, I'll go ahead and wrap it up here. And thank you all for listening. We are working on more guests. If you liked that we had a, a guest last time, we're working on that. And in the meantime, check us out on social media. We want to hear from you. What do you guys want from us? We're happy to, to chat. Yes, yes. So we'll, we'll be posting out some questions. Give us a, you know, interact with us. Let us know. Tell us who you want to hear from, um, what topics, and we will do our best to mix it in. So thanks, you guys. Have an amazing, amazing week. Thanks for listening.